1: To She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities. Eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence. And a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. So we mentioned before that there's a lot of stereotyping, um, stereotyping belief that the women's are only for washing dishes, for washing clothes, for house only but definitely it's changed because of these United Nations Food and Agriculture Organizations. In our barangay, actually most of the people now see the women as a empowered, as an empowered women because, uh, because why? The reason why we are seen as an empowered woman is because of this organization, as we can able to make money at this time.
2: Salam, dear listeners. Hello to She Talks Peace. This is Amina Rasul greeting you. From the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy in Manila, my partner Ayesa Abubakar, who's in Malaysia, Kedah, Malaysia, isn't able to join us today. So it's just going to be all, all. I'm going to be all by my lonesome, which is too bad, really, because I wanted to to talk about mothers. And the role that mothers play. I was just reading a lot about what's happening with mothers who are caught in the conflict in Ukraine with the bombardment by Russia, the mothers in Gaza who have been really suffering under the bombardment by Israel. And I read this article. Uh, Recently, and let me just share with you some of the details from this article that I found online. And it said thousands of women in Gaza have been widowed by the war or left in charge of households and aid experts fear that their worsening plight is being overlooked in humanitarian response. You know, when conflict happens or there's an emergency, there's a disaster, man-made or natural, usually it's really the women, the mothers, who become the glue that holds the family together. They really go out there to protect their, their children, their family. They do everything it takes to find food and shelter for their children. And for humanitarian response, not to be really able to focus on their needs, I don't think that's right. Because when mothers are part of the strategy for humanitarian response, you're not helping one person, one woman. You're helping somebody who's there to help others. So, I really do hope that those who are taking care of the displaced people, the survivors in Gaza or any other area of conflict or area affected by disasters, consider the need to make mothers a part of the strategy to disseminate humanitarian aid. You know, this article that I was uh, reading. Uh, made mention about an estimate given by CARE International, a global humanitarian organization. And they say that more than 23,000 Palestinians have been killed in Israeli attacks on Gaza since uh, October 7th. And about 70% of the victims are women and children. Isn't that just about horrific? And reading about this made me remember the role that my own mother played. Because something similar happened to us February 7, 1974. That's now 50 years ago. My hometown, Polo Sulu, in Mindanao. There was a siege of our town because the Moro National Liberation Front which had been organized by Nur Miswari, entered the town and laid siege. They controlled the town. And the military, the Philippine military, in order to get the rebels, the MNLF uh, soldiers out, started to bomb the town. Very similar to what's happening in Gaza where the Israelis are bombing Gaza, regardless of whether they hit civilians or not, because they want to get Hamas out. They want to get what they call the terrorists out of Gaza. Never mind what happens to civilians. When our town was bombarded, my mom was actually out of the country. She was on, um, she was invited by uh, governments to visit because she was, at that time, an elected local government official, and she immediately cut her trip short, flew back home to Manila, tried her very best to get transport to Sulu because it wasn't easy. You had to take a plane, fly to Zamboanga City, which was the closest uh, city. And then take another flight from Zamboanga City to Holosulu, and because of what was going on in Holosulu, there were no transportation available from Zamboanga City to Holo. And my mother, she kept her cool as mothers do, and you know begged, uh, went to all of the military officials that she knew to allow her to go back to Holosulu, stating that she was an elected representative of the people, and she had to be there. So they finally relented and allowed her to ride on a Navy boat. She went to Holosulu, and she actually cried when she saw the town, because as they ducked at the pier, at the wharf, the town was burning. And she couldn't imagine what had happened to my brothers who were in the town at the time. I was away at college together with my sister. And when um, she was able to go down and try to find what happened, find out what happened to our family, she couldn't get anybody to tell her what had happened. Luckily, my uncles had actually taken a small boat and went to Holo from another island to look for my brothers who were then under the care by my aunt, my mom's youngest sister, Nenita. So they went out looking for Nenita and my brothers. Uh, my aunt, uh, Nenita also had children of her own. In fact, she had just given birth. She had a 1-month-old baby. And my aunts made sure that all the kids stayed together. They were found and my uncles brought them back to their ancestral home on another island, but my mom never stopped searching. She went as soon as it was possible to enter the town as soon as the the fire had stopped a little bit, had abated a little bit, she went to look for us. We lost everything during that siege, during the burning of Holo, February 7, 1974. And we commemorate the 50th anniversary of the siege of Holo next week. We're going to actually talk to survivors and find out how they have been after the siege, whether they have recovered, because many have not. You know, the role of mothers is very important, so important that somebody like author Rudyard Kipling actually said, God could not be everywhere, and therefore, he made mothers. And today, my guest is such a mother. She is in Mindanao, in uh, Maguindanao del Sur. She has also been a victim of conflict. But like most mothers who find a way to support their families, to protect their children, she found a way to become more resilient in the face of disaster. She is one of the beneficiaries of the United Nations Food Organization, UNFO, and the UN Family Planning Agency, UNFPA. And these two organizations, UN organizations, jointly implement what they call the resilient livelihood development for women and youth displaced people in. Maguindanao. My guest today, Salha Salik, is an officer now of the community-based organization helped by UNFAO and UNFPA. And she is in Sharif Saidona Mustafa Municipality in Maguindanao del Sur. So let's welcome my guest, a heroic mother, to the show, shall we? Welcome to She Talks Peace, Salha.
1: Hello, good afternoon. Assalamualaikum, alaikum, everyone.
2: Alaikum wa salam, Salha. So how are you?
1: Fine, alhamdulillah. Inshallah, everything's
2: fine. Everything is peaceful in Maguindanao? You're happy with the
1: peace agreement? Yes, I am. Yes, yes ma'am. We are all happy for the peace agreement.
2: Salha. Your community in Maguindanao, were you affected by the like the military operations were you a, a survivor of uh, the armed conflict that we suffered in Muslim Mindanao
1: yes ma'am actually ever since ever since I remember me and uh, also my family are affected by what we call the armed conflict. In our community, of course, in the uh, Mindanao, the military operations way back before you cannot even go to our school because of that armed conflict, the unpredicted armed conflict in our areas, and also by this time when I got married, we are also affected by that what we call the armed conflict of uh, between the MILF and the armed forces of the Philippines. And also, we have also the kind of conflict that we call it RIDU. RIDU is uh, a um, war between a family, two different family, And then that's what we call RIDU in our community. Up until now, there's a RIDU also. But alhamdulillah, not all the times that they are uh, making a armed conflict or they... they uh, the armed conflict that uh, affected us. Unlike before, that it took so long. For sometimes it took a week, a month. And um, there's a time also that uh, we didn't even see our places for, um, I think, a half of a year. And that's a very difficult for us as a, the people living here in the Mindanao.
2: Salha! Before the UN came in to help you with the livelihood project, what are some of the challenges that you and the other internally displaced people face? What challenges do you have to contend with in Maguindanao in order to be able to feed yourself and your families? What are the challenges to access? sustainable livelihood opportunities?
1: Actually, mom, we are farmers. My husband is a farmer. And uh, when we are waiting, you know, we, we all know that the farming is, we need to wait for how many months so that the time of harvesting come. Me, as a mother, I do some of livelihood. I, I know it could help our family to feed, to give uh, our needs, to give the needs of my uh, daughter. And I sold some uh, foods like that. I cook potatoes and the um, banana so that it could help us. Actually, when the time came that there's a conflict came in our community or in our places, then we need to move out. We need to go uh, in any safe places. And the main challenges that I've encountered is that my child cannot even cannot even sleep cannot even um, their comfort their comfort is not actually the same as when we are in our own houses as a mother it's very difficult for me to watch over them that uh, they cannot even lay down they cannot even take a rest I don't even know if they are safe in that places that we went on and that places that we Uh, Move on, and um, it's not easy. It's not easy to adjust. It's not easy to stay in the places that new for you. And uh, for us as a mother, we can uh, we can even uh, stay what whenever the safetiness of our family. But for the babies, for uh, for our kids, they cannot even understand what's happening, and uh, they cannot even know. The, the risk that we are facing, actually, in terms of uh, uh, when it comes to accessing sustainable livelihood, when we are in the displaced places, I just remember that uh, the reason why the reason why I went abroad, actually, I'm a former overseas Filipino workers, and the reason why the reason why I went to work abroad is that because of this on and off conflict that we faced that uh, we don't even know uh, when it comes and when it finished actually sometimes it took a week a month or even half of a year there's a conflict and that we could not able we could not able to go back in our homes in our houses and um, instead of just watching what's happening in our places, I decided to work abroad to give and to help to help my husband to sustain our the daily needs of our family, and that's what I think better. I think it's better for that time, and uh, actually, I am very happy uh, when the, this the opportunity came to us. The unfao came into our life, uh, give us a um, sustainable livelihood that. The women can even work, even though they cannot uh, go outside in their homes or in their houses.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
2: and Agriculture Organization, FAO of the UN, has a project to help you, women like you who are mothers, to really have sustainable livelihood opportunities. Can you tell us a little bit about it and what your role, what your role has been in this project? Because I understand this uh, project has allowed you to organize.
1: Actually, mom, that's what I'm telling before that I am very thankful because the United uh, Nations Food and Agriculture Organization came to our life. And uh, I can say that by this time, I will uh, stay here in the Philippines for good. And that's because of the opportunity that the United Nations uh, Food and Agriculture Organization given to us. Because, you know, it's very, very helpful to us as a mother that we can even sustain the daily needs of our family. Before, I didn't believe that it could be. Really like this, the success that we achieve as a women's organization. This uh, community based organization. The Women's and Youth Producer Association of the East Libutan is now, I can see the success in our organization is because we definitely, as a women, we have our unity in the working out, in, um, in uh, pursuing our um, uh, goal so that our organization maintain their um, uh, unity and uh, inshallah the success because in this organization actually we are we are making we are producing uh, chips foods that we can sell it to other sari-sari store we are now the distributor of the small sari-sari stores and uh, for banana chips and the kangkung chips actually our kangkung chips are very in demand in the terms of uh, selling because them um, the taste of it, the love that we give when we are cooking uh, kangkong chips, that give it so much delicious taste. And um, our buyers always compliments us that the kangkong chips are very nice and um, the taste is very good, as well as the nutritious that the kangkong will give to their kids instead of eating any chips, the chips that uh, is not uh, nutritious. So this you know this this kangkong or the um green leafy vegetable is only free free to take in our places especially in maguindanao because in maguindanao when you're looking outside you know outside the the farms is you can able to take kankong or the uh, the green uh, leafy vegetable and uh, all we need to do is to train the, the women to how to process the kangkung chips and that's what we are doing now. Actually, we are uh, 50 members in our community-based organization and we have two organizations in our barangay which is Islibutan Magalaw Women's and Youth Producer Association and the Islibutan Women's and Youth Producer Association. So a total of 100 members By this time, and um, our our income makes a differ makes a differ uh, way back before that we we are just uh, chit chatting everywhere. Now we we do we do chit chatting, uh, but uh, in an organized form because the we do chit chatting while we are processing kankong chips, a banana chips, and it really helps us our life means. By this time, because of the, the program or the project of the United Nations Food and Organizations. And um, actually, I am their chairman, and I can say that uh, my members are very dedicated to pursue this uh, organization, inshallah, by the grace of Allah.
2: Salha, can you share some success stories? about this project that you are part of. I understand that you have actually organized an agricultural cooperative. So do share some success stories with us.
1: All I can say, Ma'am, is alhamdulillah because the... The success that we achieve from this organization are very meaningful to us, especially the confident the confident that this organization given to us as a women, as a women before that there's a lot of stereotyping um stereotyping belief that the women's are only for washing dishes, for washing clothes, for house only, but definitely it's changed because of these United Nations Food and Agriculture Organizations. In our barangay, actually... Most of the people now see the women as a empowered, as an empowered women because, uh, because why? The reason why we are seen as an empowered women is because of this organization, as we can able to make money at this time. Uh, not like before that we are only relying, depending on what our husband can give to us. Actually, I have a, a one member who shared her stories before that she told me mom chairman you know what uh, before i am just relying of what my husband came give to me and i cannot even buy for me uh, buy for uh, myself uh, like folder uh, lipstick or anything but now i can buy it on myself and that is because of our organization they are a farmer and you know we we all aware that the farmers uh, income are just very low sometimes they uh cannot even pay their credits and because of this organization they told me that um, they can able to share the income that they uh took from here that uh, they took from our organization like uh, if they um they do some shells. They uh, sell something. They have an income, and if they uh, went to our food processing to work, they could able to take 150 a day, and that's a uh, very helpful for them. And they told me that um, this organization are very powerful, and uh, our members are women. So uh, instead of uh, just chit chatting outside. Their chit-chatting now are very meaningful because uh, while they're chit-chatting, they can able to make a chips, which is they can sell it outside and help them to fulfill the needs of their family. And that's one of a very successful one for us as the mother of our family. And uh, as their chairman, I can see now that uh, before I know that uh, some of them they didn't believe on success, but now I can see their determination in working with us as a as a community based organization. I am really
2: happy to know that uh, agencies like the the UNFPA and the UN, uh, FAO are helping directly women who are in conflict areas i can only hope that there is such kind of a humanitarian response that will be made available very soon in places like gaza so looking ahead you have goals and aspirations for yourself and your organization salha do you have a message for those who are listening to us and who maybe have the same experience as you.
1: My message for a woman like me, for a mother like me, please do not lose hope. As you can see, we before faced too many trials, too many struggles, but those old trials we face, uh, we... We do overcome all, and uh, with the help of our almighty God Allah, with the help of all the prayers, there's nothing impossible. And I know that all the women, all the women uh, like us, like me, like um, the women's uh, that we organize, we are all empowered. And uh, we can change or we can transform our family into better. I know that uh, every one of us has... The power. We must not lose our hope, even though we face any conflict, any struggles. Please do not do not lose hope and uh, be patience for whatever we whatever we face. Be uh, be true to ourselves, and uh, of course, women, We must love ourselves first. We must love ourselves. We must give some some things for ourselves also. And that's what an empowered woman like us, like our organization, can do. And uh, that's all. Thank you very much for um, this wonderful opportunity that uh, Mom Amin rasul gave to us. And I hope that um, every woman be empowered also. Thank you.
2: Thank you so much, Salha, for joining us in this episode of She Talks Peace. My dear listeners, I hope you have gained some inspiration in the efforts of women like Salha Salik, who has done what mothers do when faced with crisis. They sacrifice their own betterment in order to take care of their children, and when they do, they find out that they are super women. They are superheroes. So to superheroes like Salha, thank you for everything that you do. And dear listeners, thank you for sharing this hour with us. This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying bye for now. And see you again in the next episode of She Talks Peace.
1: Bye! She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co.